Badger fans, and welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bells here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we're of course getting into the huge non-conference contest with Notre Dame in Chicago. Should be a ton of fun Saturday uh, morning, afternoon uh, against the Fighting Irish uh, in Soldier Field, of course, if you guys aren't already aware. Um, the Jack Cohn Bowl. All sorts of storylines underlying this game, so we'll get into all things of that nature. Uh, Matt and I will do our normal breakdown here at the beginning, and then in the back half of the show, we'll be joined by J.J. Post. Um, Of course, if you've been familiar with our site, he writes for B5Q, and he writes for our sister site, One Foot Down, which is the Notre Dame um, website, as he is a current Notre Dame student. So I think he came on and gave a really interesting perspective on all things Wisconsin and Notre Dame as someone who has seen up close and personal both sides. I think you guys will really enjoy this episode to get you ready for a fun trip to Chicago. Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great, man. I'm pumped for this week. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I know we're both going down to Chicago, so um, I, I know you're excited. I'm excited. I think this is going to be a hell of a game and, and really one that I think both teams are, are really in need of just based off of their their you know records and, and work so far this year. Oh, absolutely. I think it's going to be uh, quite the sight. There's a reason why both, you know, big noon kickoff and, and college game day are going to be there. This is just a, a matchup you don't see all that often in a, in a venue that you don't see all that often. I know everyone was looking forward to last year when they were going to play in Lambeau before COVID and everything happened. So this game really feels a couple years in the making, and I know I'm super excited to, to see how this one's going to shake out in a, a new and interesting venue, just like I said at the beginning. So many storylines, so many things that you can get into, and and hopefully this game lives up to, I think, the hype and excitement that uh, everyone has. And for us, let's hope uh, Wisconsin can, can escape with a victory because, like you said, I think both teams are really desperate for a huge uh, victory to bolster their resume. So we'll get into all things um, Notre Dame. Before we do that, though, let's get into a little bit of news. Um, we'll start, start with, of course, with running back Antoine Roberts, who has entered the transfer portal and left the Wisconsin Badger program. Of course, he was involved with the altercation with Loyal Crawford. Um, Crawford was, of course, eventually suspended or dismissed from the program. Um, Crawford was dismissed from the program. Roberts was suspended. Now it sounds like Antoine Roberts is just going to uh, enter the transfer portal and move on to a um, new program. Not all that surprising. You know, this situation was, of course, a weird one. You didn't expect to see maybe, I guess, I personally didn't expect to see either player back, just the way you kind of heard things and the way it shook out. So to see him enter the portal, I guess, makes makes sense to me. But what did you make of, of this additional layer to that story? It makes a ton of sense. Um, I think right when we talked about the initial incident with Crawford right away, um, we both said, you know, I'd be shocked if he has a carry with the Badgers, right? Like just those types of things where you had a fight with your teammate are pretty hard to come back from. Uh, just for a locker room perspective, um, he was suspended indefinitely. Like, there was a lot of smoke there that basically said, I doubt that he will be a, a Badger long. 
Um, best of luck for him going forward. I think he is a talented kid. Um, we didn't get to see a lot of the freshmen outside of Braylon Allen in fall camp. Most of the time they were working on just getting handoffs, which I know oftentimes we as fans takes for granted, but we learned quickly how important that is uh, in the first game. But but they were just working on getting handoffs and, and technique, and we didn't get to see a lot of him. So best of luck. I, I think that he is a talented kid, but but it, there's definitely things going on there that, that need to be cleaned up. And um, I think the Badgers are going to be just fine. They had a, a, a lot of running backs, and really you now have two open scholarships that you can use going forward. It probably gives a kid this year a walk-on, maybe a scholarship for the last few games. So I think overall it's probably in the best interest of everyone that Roberts uh, moves on, and, and best of luck for him moving forward. Yeah, um, you know, I remember watching a lot of his tape coming out of high school. I did think he was very talented, so hopefully he lands somewhere and, and gets whatever's going on. Um, you know, straightened out and, and becomes a, a quality player that he looked like he could be when he entered the Wisconsin football program. You know, sometimes these situations happen. It doesn't work out. A guy goes on to a new school and, and hopefully has success. So, unfortunately, the, the circumstances of, of how it ended for both of them at Wisconsin is unfortunate, but hopefully they can both bounce back and go on to strong careers um, somewhere else in college football because there's too much talent there to, to be wasted not playing, and, and hopefully they can find a – um, some footing at some other program, but it definitely a interesting story that an unfortunate story that happened. But sometimes these things just kind of play out, and and uh, all you can do is move on and hope for the best for all parties. So um, next piece of news, it kind of starts to get into, of course, the the Notre Dame preview, the depth chart and injury report were put out. Um, of course, the big one, Leo Chanel being back after two games missed due to COVID, and of course the bye week. Um, he was back in there for some reps this week. So that is a huge gain, and we'll talk about that probably, you know, that matchup with him being back in there in a little bit going against this Notre Dame offensive line. But anything else really stand out or, or stick out to you in terms of the depth chart and injury report for this week? Yeah, I think having Chanel back is just absolutely massive. And really, he, he was your, your your best pass rusher last year. Um, Nick Herbig did some nice things, but – but Chanel just brings a completely different element. Mike Mascalunas did some nice things the first few few games in his absence, but but I think Chanel is a difference maker that they missed um, in a lot of ways. But but really the big thing that jumped out to me was the injury report. Uh, we last week, or I guess two weeks ago now at this point, um, when the Badgers took on Eastern Michigan, you you didn't see Colin Wilder, you didn't see Fan Hicks. And Jack Eschenbach got banged up in that game and missed the the latter half. All three of those players, um, tight end Jack Eschenbach, cornerback Van Hicks, and safety Colin Wilder, are questionable for this weekend. Um, that's two starters and, a, and another guy who's played a ton rotationally at tight end that I think Wisconsin really hopes that they can get back. I, I would lean towards they're probably likely to be back just based off of the fact that they had a full bye week to prepare. They missed the week prior, so you, you have to hope that maybe they're in a good spot. Um, but you never know. I think Wisconsin's got some depth at cornerback that and safety that if they can't go, they'll be probably okay. But but it's still one of those with with some of the weapons that Notre Dame has, at, especially at tight end. Um, I think it would be really nice to have those two back um, in Hicks and Wilder. But we'll see when it when it comes. I, I'm guessing that this will be something that we won't really know until um, right before game time and, and when guys are trotting out of the tunnel. That's probably what, when we'll figure out if these guys are go, a go or not. 
Yeah, I, I think the, the the questionable factor for both of them is is huge. I mean, like you said, Wisconsin does have depth there, but you really would like to be able to not have to go to that depth right away if you don't have to. So uh, a guy like Van Hicks, who's played a ton of football, is huge. You talk about you know Notre Dame with a tight end like Michael Mayer, huge. You know, a matchup with with possibly being guarded by a safety like a guy like Colin Wilder um, is is really important. So you hope that both of those guys are able to go. Eschenbach, of course a player that we're both big fans of and has done some nice things in his limited time so far this season. So you really want to, after a bye week, to hopefully have everybody healthy going into this huge game. I mean, we talked about it so many times now that all of a sudden this bye week really popped up and and gave Wisconsin a little bit of rest when they needed it. The offensive line was a little bit out of sync. There were some injuries. Hopefully they've gotten both of those things cleaned up and those guys are able to go because I think that would be a massive gain to have all three of them available, you know, to have full strength going into a what will be a, a tough contest in a in a ruckus environment in, in Chicago. So hopefully all three of them are um, able to go. But like you said, we probably won't know until and that'll be the one thing. If you're in Chicago and watching warmups, look for 18, look for Fayon Hicks, look for Jack Eschenbach, because uh, those are the guys that you certainly want to have names out there, because if they're not out there, it. I don't think Wisconsin's in a really bad place, but it's certainly something to pay attention to. We're going to see different guys having to step up and make some plays. Yeah, like you definitely want them, but I, I'm fascinated to see if they're not 100%, right? Like if Fan Hicks might be a little bit different where I think he's still at, you know, an 85% Fan Hicks is still probably better than what you have behind him um, at cornerback. But if if Kyle Wilder is at 80%, John Torchio might still get the start. Mm-hmm. Um or or Travion Blaylock might still get the start, right? Like, I, I think there's a chance that one of those guys might still start if Wilder's a little banged up um, and, and or limited. So I think that um, Wisconsin wants these guys back, but, but with, with them it's also important that they're healthy because the last thing you want is um, is somebody who's, who's not full go going up against Notre Dame who has some weapons on the outside. Yeah, absolutely. That's a very good point. Um, All right, well, why don't we go ahead and get right into this Notre Dame uh, preview now. Uh, Of course, everyone knows, huge game, neutral field and soldier field, Wisconsin taking on the Fighting Irish. Uh, Long time coming for this contest. A lot of underlying storylines. Jack Cohn, of course, the former quarterback, now the quarterback of Notre Dame. So just a great reason why you love college football. You look at last weekend, a non-conference game between Auburn and Penn State. Fascinating in terms of imagery, storylines, everything. This weekend, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, it's really hard to beat it when you look at the, those couple games of why people love the sport, but should be a ton of fun in the Windy City. So getting into it, what are your overall feelings and kind of expectations uh, heading into this huge non-conference contest? Well, first off, I think the atmosphere is going to be really good. I think you look at you mentioned Big Noon. You mentioned game day. Both going to be right around Soldier Field. I would imagine that there's going to be a lot of people. Um, I think that place is going to be packed. I, I think it will be a sellout. Um, and and really, I think that it's it's going to have a, a lot of energy in there just because you're going to have about a 50-50 split. Maybe a slight advantage to Notre Dame just because it's in Chicago. But I look at this and I think that it's pretty evenly matched on paper. There's a lot of um, things that are going for both teams. Wisconsin's got the better offensive line. Wisconsin probably has the better defense. Notre Dame has been 
just a, a shade more consistent on offense than Wisconsin as well and probably has an advantage in special teams. So there's there's a lot of different ways that this game could break, and I think it's really going to come down to um, a, a few little things that are, that are going to really determine it. I do think it's going to be low scoring because they, I know how inconsistent these offenses have been from time to time. Um, both have been fairly uh, – one-dimensional at this point. Notre Dame has had to really rely on their pass game because they haven't been able to run the ball. Wisconsin hasn't been able to pass the ball at, at will, and so they've had to run the ball um, for the most part. So I think that this is just one of those games where I think we'll know a lot more about each team, you know, Sunday. I, th- I think this game is one of those where Notre Dame hasn't really been tested. They played a, a bad Florida State team and went to overtime. They beat Toledo, who – has since gone on to lose to Colorado State, who is really, really bad. Um, sorry, John Budmeyer, but they are really bad. And they beat a Purdue team last week, which I think was actually their best game of the three, even though that they still struggled at times in that game. So Wisconsin, we, we know about the mistakes that haunted them from Penn State game. I just think that this is one of those where it's hard to know what's actually going to happen because both these teams have so many question marks coming into it and are pretty evenly matched when you look on paper. Yeah, I think you're totally right. There's, there's, I think advantages uh, for for both sidelines and, and how those matchups kind of play out is going to be really the what it comes down to in this game. There's so many you know areas that I think Notre Dame has has struggled in, but also areas that they've gotten a lot better in. Same thing for Wisconsin. There's been some spots where they've struggled, but they've got some strengths to their team as well. And how those matchups kind of go up against each other is going to be a, a fascinating thing to watch for. I agree. I think. This Notre Dame team has has been, of course, you know, played in the spotlight. But maybe when you look at it, you know, a team like Florida State hasn't won a game. You know, you talked about the uh, the the Toledo and Colorado State game. So it's just interesting to see kind of where these teams are at. And I think both this whoever wins this game and even whoever loses it, if it's a tight, close contest, I think you get at least a little bit further of a measuring stick on what this team is and where they're going to be. Um, come later on in the season where they're trying to contend, of course, for Notre Dame, you know, as a independent trying to continue, you know, their continue winning and, and get packed to that college football playoff. I don't think they're a team that they're right, they're right there right now, but their schedule sets up where if they can win and continue to stack up these wins, you know, all of a sudden they put themselves in conversation and for Wisconsin already with the loss on the schedule, this one is of course huge for, for where they want to get to. So, well, let's talk about some of these matchups. I think there's I, I think the a couple, there's a couple really maybe comes down to uh, but we'll start with Wisconsin's offense. What do you think the Badgers are going to look to do to try and approach this Notre Dame defense that has struggled at times? But we mentioned with Purdue, probably the best game of the season in terms of uh, in terms of a win. I think their defense has looked the best they looked that past week. So hopefully, or maybe they're starting to get some things figured out under this new, you know, of course, moving to a new defense under Marcus Freeman. So. How do you think Paul Chris and the Badger offense approaches attacking this unit? I think they're going to try to run the ball. I, so far this year, that's been their approach. They liked the, what they could do against Penn State and run the ball. They were able to run the ball against Penn State. They were able to run the ball um, you know, at will against Eastern Michigan. I think the offensive line is built to run the ball and has struggled in pass pro. We'll see if they can can move the ball through the air, but I, I do think that you're going to see some new wrinkles, um, specifically in the running game. Um, you might see some trick plays. I think Wisconsin's going to try to um, 
you know, make this kind of a rock fight and, and try to get out with a, a victory. Wisconsin has shown the ability to run it, but so so Notre Dame has also shown the ability to stop the run. Um, you look at their numbers-wise, they've given up a couple really big plays on the ground that have kind of skewed and inflated their num- their rushing statistics. Um, when you take away two big plays, they're really only giving away around three yards a crack. And so this is still a defense that is capable. They've got some bodies up front. Um, but you look at it, they're still allowing 28 points per game, which against the Florida State team who has struggled, against the Toledo team who has struggled, and against the Purdue team, um, I mean, those th- three teams are a combined three and six. And for them to go ahead and give up an 89-yard run to Florida State and a 67-yard run um, to Toledo, those are those are massive chunk plays that, that really kind of swing games. If Wisconsin can hit on some of those, I think that would be a, a you know a huge win for the Badgers and help them out in a lot of ways. But but you still have to consistently be watching a guy like like uh, Kyle Hamilton. Dude is absolute stud. Like like maybe the best defensive player in the entire country. Um, and so you look at Graham Mertz. He's thrown two picks. He's been really close to throwing about six this year. Um, and and his numbers could be a lot worse. Kyle Hamilton has a whole bunch of interceptions already this year, um, and, and it's seemingly always around the ball. So I think that's, for me, the thing to watch is can Wisconsin move the ball on the ground and put themselves in situations where they can be smart when they're passing the ball and trying to get it away from a guy like Kyle Hamilton who, who can definitely make plays and shake up an entire game based off of what he can do um, defensively. Yeah, he's he's a guy that you're going to want to have your eye on all game long. Probably, you know, a top ten pick in the NFL draft upcoming this year. Just a, a freak um, at that safety position that will likely, you know, give Wisconsin a little bit of fit. He, he's a guy that can play in the past, but also come up and make tackles in the run game. So, going to be a interesting matchup to watch against him. But I agree with you offensively. I don't really think Wisconsin is going to come out and, and take any sort of different approach to what we've seen the first two weeks. I mean, this team leads the nation in time of possession with 41 minutes. That's a minute more than what even a triple option team like Army has come out so far this season. So Wisconsin's going to run the football. They're going to control the clock. Um, They're going to try and take minutes off of there by running the football. I think the important thing that I'm looking for is also, you know, I want them to establish a run. I want them to run it, but they also have to find some of these chunk plays to get them moving down the field uh, a little bit faster and pick up these big gains. Because like you mentioned, this Florida State defense, or excuse me, Notre Dame's defense has been better, but they were susceptible to big plays against Florida State, a team that was coming in, you know, with with all sorts of question marks and and still hit some big plays as they moved to this new defense. Toledo hit some big plays. Purdue struggled a little bit, but they did hit some big plays. It was just a matter of they couldn't convert on third down, which is I think the other thing to watch for is which team can pick up, you know, first downs, move the chains, and, and convert on these third down situations. And same thing defensively, which teams can get off the field. So I think that battle is going to be incredibly interesting to watch. But I, I don't think it's anything overly complicated for this Wisconsin offense. It's going to be the same thing that they want to do. You know, Notre Dame has shown the ability to stop the run, but I think hopefully this offensive line is meshing and, and they've got a little bit of that figured out and they can just go in run the ball the way they did against Penn State, run the ball the way they did against Eastern Michigan, get these offensive linemen to really lean on this Notre Dame defensive line and, and try to open things up. And then 
hopefully in turn Wisconsin can hit some some bigger plays to try and um, you know keep Notre Dame's eyes from just settling in on you know turn handoff three yards in a cloud of dust. So I think overall the the matchup between these two sides will be um, incredibly fascinating. I'm glad you brought up chunk plays because I think that is going to be a defining part of this game. Um, we're going to talk about Notre Dame's offense here in a bit, but they have rattled off a lot of chunk plays that have kind of been their saving grace. Wisconsin has has really struggled with that outside of the Eastern Michigan game. That Purdue get, or I mean the Penn State game, we didn't see a lot of plays that went past like 20 yards. Um, and you look at those long runs. They had 60-yard run. Malusi did against Eastern Michigan, basically the second carry of the game. Isaac Rendo had that 82-yard scamper with that was just a thing of beauty. But you look at this, and they need some of those big hitters to, to beat Notre Dame, I think. And it could come in the passing game. Maybe Graham Mertz is able to get a, a deep ball uh, to Danny Davis or somebody. But right now, the, the passing game is long as 23. Running game shows a little bit more ability to get after it and get down the field. Um, I, I'm interested to see if Wisconsin maybe has some wrinkles to try to get some of their, their backs out in space in the passing game a little bit because Malusi, Garendo, Berger all have backgrounds that involve receiving, right? Like they Malusi did a ton of that in high school. Berger did a ton of it in high school. Um, Garendo was a former wide receiver. So you're looking at three guys who are talented when they get the ball in their hands. You need to get them touches. Um, can they get creative and try to get them out in space? Because I, you remember how many touches Jonathan Taylor got um, in the passing game, and Wisconsin hopefully found some new ways to get these guys involved because you mentioned it. You can't just consistently do the same thing where you're just turning back and handing it off. You do need to keep Notre Dame honest, and one ways you can, one of the ways you can do that is through the screen game, through some, some quick uh, um, maybe some jet sweeps that involve a guy like Isaac Arendo or, or Kendrick Pryor. So I think that those are things that I, I'm want, excited to see is can they get some of their playmakers in space in unique ways because I think that will help them. We've seen Notre Dame give up big plays when, when those types of things happen. Can Wisconsin exploit that? All right, let's move over to the Wisconsin defense now, of course, trying to take on this Notre Dame offense that, frankly, has struggled at times throughout this season. Uh, I think the glaring issue for Notre Dame right now is up front, and I think that's where really this matchup might come down to a little bit. Uh, this Notre Dame offensive line giving up 14 sacks through three games, 122nd in the nation in sacks allowed per game. Of course, lost a lot of talent from last year, but this is generally a program that usually turns out NFL talent that does a really good job establishing the run and protecting the passer. And so far, it really hasn't been there. So that part to me is really interesting to see how this Wisconsin defensive line and linebackers try to just go to work against this offensive line that has clearly struggled against and it's not like they've been going against dominating, you know, pass rushing units. You know, the they, they went against Purdue, um, and Purdue was able to get to the quarterback. Purdue didn't have a sack against UConn the week before. You talked about Toledo with Colorado State. Um Toledo got to the quarterback against Notre Dame, didn't have a sack against the Rams in Colorado State. So it's really a fascinating storyline coming into it because I think this Wisconsin defensive line will be a huge test for them up front. But overall, what do you think is the key – or what do you think the Wisconsin defense will be looking to do to try and stop this Notre Dame offense? I think the big thing is – and I mentioned it, that Notre Dame has really relied on big plays to kind of keep them in games. They've, they've had huge splash plays from their running backs in, in both the passing game and the running game and hit some deep balls um, to some of their wide receivers. 
if I was Wisconsin, I'd be sitting in a cover two shell and just be like, hey, you got to run on us. And I don't think Notre Dame can run on them. Um, you look at it, they have they have are averaging 2.9 yards per rush as a team, um, and and they have two of the really talented running backs in the country. Kyron Williams is a is an absolute dude and can play, um, but at the same time, they just don't have lanes to run. Um, you look at it, you even take away a couple of their long uh, 50 yard runs, and it's even worse for them. So I think that if you're Wisconsin force Notre Dame to try to run the ball on you because I think that Wisconsin's front six or seven is just too good where Wisconsin can just say hey put your two safeties back there don't let a guy like Michael Mayer um, like some of their explosive wide receivers get over the top which we saw Penn State be able to do and keep everything in front of you just keep everything in front of you make them sustain an entire drive make them try to run the ball against your front that's that's just nasty, and and try to make this one of those games where where you force Notre Dame to to try to get greedy, and then you make a play. So that's what I would do is if I was Jim Leonard. Jim Leonard is 42 times smarter than I am, so um, I'm sure he's got a plan to take on this Notre Dame defense. But I think that's what I would do is because that's what Notre Dame has done is they've tried to throw the ball this year, and they've relied on that because their offensive line just is a sieve. They can't stop anything from getting into the backfield. Um, you mentioned UConn um, wasn't was able to keep Purdue from getting a sack. I mean that's that's pretty telling because UConn is maybe the worst team of, of all time based off of S and P plus so far this year. Yeah, that I think that matchup is going to be fascinating. I think the other thing you look at is you know if if Wisconsin can take away that run without you know overexerting itself and, and sending too many guys, are they able to just sit and say okay, Jack Cohn? You have to beat us, you know, let's – and then I think for familiarity's sake, I know everyone talks about, you know, it's the Jack Cohn Bowl, Jack Cohn revenge game, but you got to remember, Wisconsin's also very familiar with what Jack Cohn's and, and his tendencies are going to be. Jim Leonard, of course, an extra week to prep. He's a guy, you know, Jim Leonard's defense went against Jack Cohn in practice for years. So that part, I think, is an interesting adding layer where if they can take away that run game with Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, two really talented backs, just haven't really got it going so far this year, if they're able to take that away and, and make them beat them with the pass, I think Wisconsin can maybe develop and, and notice some of these tendencies and, and make some jump on some plays, maybe get some turn, some turnovers. They know that if they get to the quarterback, who knows what you can do, knocking the ball loose. So I think that... That Notre Dame offense versus the Wisconsin defense is going to be, to me, the one that, you know, I, I think the Wisconsin offense matchup is going to be interesting, but I think the more fascinating side is going to be to see what Jim Leonard's defense comes up with to really try and give this Notre Dame offense fits because I think they have the chance to really come in and dominate this game the way this offensive line has looked for the Irish. And, and if they do that, I think it's going to be a really fun show to see what this Wisconsin Badger defense can do. Yeah, especially with Leo Chanel back, man. Like, I, I, I wonder if you know butterfly effect. If you have Chanel for that opener, if it's slightly different, just because Chanel is your best pass rusher, he, he's the guy who's going to absolutely run through linemen. Um, especially given some of the inexperience and struggles that that Notre Dame's line has had so far this year. Um, I, I, I think that Wisconsin's in a really good place defensively for this matchup. I give them a, a big advantage in that. Um, but at the same time, I'm interested to see how much they're going to have to be on the field. And if they do try to force um, Notre Dame to try to beat them, um, you know, just, you know, dunking it down 
with with small plays all game long um, if if they get worn down. That's that's my only thing. But I just think this defense is in a spot where I, I have a, more trust in the Wisconsin defense than any other unit um, on either team. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that takes us to our next question. What is the one key matchup or, or thing you'll be watching for? Because we've talked a lot of uh, – I think for me – it's that defensive front going against this Notre Dame offensive line. I think that's going to be the key to the game is is how if Wisconsin can be dominating up there. I, I think they get there in a spot where they can really take control of this game. But what is the one thing or, or matchup that you'll be watching for? So I, I think the most important thing, because I trust that defense so much, is can Wisconsin move the ball on the ground? So the Wisconsin mm-hmm. offensive line versus the front seven of Notre Dame, I think that's where this game would be won for the Badgers is they got to score points if you want to win. And it, and I think it's going to have to come from the running game unless um, Graham Mertz really, you know, takes some nice steps. Um, but defensively, to kind of stick on there in terms of a matchup, and I have this article coming out later today, um, the matchup I chose for this week was Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, those two running backs, and Wisconsin's linebackers. Wisconsin has a lot of four talented linebackers that they use, um, both inside and outside. And I think that they're going to be really active at getting after the quarterback. But but it, the way that Notre Dame has used those two running backs is they've really gotten them involved in the passing game because, like I said with Wisconsin, I want to see them get the ball in space to their to their backs. Notre Dame does a really good job of that. They so far this year, you, you look at it, and Kyron Williams is second on the team with 11 receptions, and um, Chris Tyree is third on the team in receptions with 10. And both of them have plays of over 50 yards receiving um, this year, so they can hit chunk plays off of those screen game as well as some of the different creativity that they use those guys with. So can Wisconsin tackle those guys in the open field when they, when they just kind of you know, check it down? Jack Cohn loves the check down. Anybody who is a Badger fan, you'll remember that Jack Cohn is very willing to, to you know, say, okay, it's not there, and check it down to his backs and let them make a play. Wisconsin needs to be able to make those tackles. I trust those linebackers um, to, to do that. But at the same time, Williams and Tyree are, are guys that can, can break a game open, especially Tyree, who's a kid who runs about a 4-3. Yeah, a ton of speed there for for a guy like him. So I think that that matchup makes a ton of sense. You know, you talk about this run game, maybe Wisconsin can shut it down, but Notre Dame's creative enough to try and get the the ball in the hands of their playmakers in other ways. So I think that's an added layer that you certainly have to pay attention to as Wisconsin defense hopefully shuts things down. But they can, if one of those guys gets loose and slips, they can go for some of those big plays. So I think that takes us to another. Interesting question. We we do this every week. Which player we'll be talking about come Sunday? Because I think there's a lot of different guys you could name based on what you think is going to happen. So who are the guys that you think come Sunday will be having big performances and that will be getting most of the headlines? I'm going to go with Leo Chanel. I think that him being back, he's going to be juiced up, ready to go for this game, um, going up against an offensive line who has struggled. Um, he's the type of kid that can really create those splash plays on defense that the Wisconsin's missed. Wisconsin has one turnover so far this year that they've that they've generated, and that's not good enough for this defense. I know that that was something they really wanted. This is a matchup where he could hopefully swing momentum, make a huge play for the Badgers. So I'm going to say Leo Chanel is the guy, especially with him just being back first game. He's going to be absolutely ready to roll for this one. And I think that he is 
that that energy source for this defense that that can really just create some havoc spots um, for them to to maybe swing the game and give the offense good field position and and put them in positive plus territory. Yeah, I think that's a great name to name for sure. I think he's going to come out with his hair on fire and, and have a huge game. Um, just to switch it up, I think I'll go with a guy like Keanu Benton. I don't know how many you know much he'll put up in the stats. But if he goes and gets the push and just wreaks havoc on this Notre Dame offensive line and opens things up, uh, I think you'll see a guy like Leo Chanel, a guy like Nick Herbig, guys in the linebacker room just having free runs based on what Benton's doing up front and opening up holes. You know, Similar to an offensive line, open up holes for running back, Keanu Benton in that defensive line takes on those blockers, open things up, and let these linebackers go to work. I think he's going to have – I just don't think this Notre Dame front has gone against a player – of the caliber of uh, a guy like Keanu Benton. So I think him, like I said, I don't know if he'll have you know sacks and a ton of tackles or anything like that, but I think you'll notice if Keanu Benton's having a good game, you'll see it in the production from other guys, a guy like Leo Chanel. So those two kind of can work hand in hand. So I think both of those offensively, um, I'll say a guy like Jake Ferguson, maybe try and get some tests. You know, Graham Burt's going to be trying to um, find that safety blanket. So I'm hoping that a, a guy like him can have a big game. Of course, the only uh, issue there is, is, of course, Hamilton at safety that may be a matchup there. But either way, um, I think someone on this offense is going to step up. Who it is in terms of name, whether it's Chesma Lucy, Graham Merch, Jake Ferguson, Danny Davis, somebody I think you're going to have to see make some big chunk plays and, and allow them to, to move the ball down the field. Absolutely, yeah. I, I, Kyle Hamilton is a player that absolutely scares me to death. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know why <laughs> teams throw at him at all. He's got three interceptions in three games, um, so that is one you know scary source. Um, I think I really just think this game is going to come down to two things: is can Wisconsin move the ball, right? Like Notre Dame is in terms of overall defense, they are around 80th in the country. In, in most statistical categories, other than QB snacks, they've gotten to the quarterback at a pretty high rate. Wisconsin's defense, on the other hand, has been really good. But the other thing is turnovers. Wisconsin, 120 or 122nd in turnovers. Notre Dame, 20th at plus one. So I think turnovers and big plays are going to be the big things for this game and really determine everything in my eyes because I do think that there's a slight advantages each way in, in different units. But I think that turnovers and big plays are really going to write the script. All right. Well, without further ado, why don't we go ahead and get into it? What do you have for a score prediction in Chicago on Saturday? What do you have first? <laughs> I think I'm going to go Wisconsin. I do like the Badgers. I, I don't know what it has been this entire week. I felt very confident about this game. I know the spread is sitting at, it's actually up to six and a half now. Um, the, the, I do a lot of sports betting. The numbers I put together had Wisconsin as a touchdown. So to me, I don't know what it is. I think it's just, I think this Wisconsin defense is just going to wreak havoc in the Notre Dame. They had that standalone game against Florida State was exciting, but you dig deeper into the numbers. I don't buy into this team as much as, um, you know, some places have. And I think there's a lot of people that have that same doubt, but until they're beaten, it's hard to just say, okay, this team isn't as good as they look. So I like Wisconsin. I'll say, 20, I do think it's going to be low scoring, so I'll say 21 to 14, maybe 24 to 14, you know, something low scoring like that. But I do like the Badgers to come out and, and really make it tough on this Notre Dame offense. The only thing I'm worried about is how much this Wisconsin offense is going to score. So I think it could it could be a one-possession game, two-possession game, but I, still, I feel like it's going to be a game that Wisconsin 
hopefully gets to a lead early and always feels in control. So I'll go with 21-14 right now, but maybe Wisconsin puts together another drive and, and a field goal to really try and, and space them out that way. I like it. This this has been a tough one for me because um, I, I look at some of the, the different things, and, and I, I said I think that this game's going to come down to big plays and turnovers, two things that right now Notre Dame has an advantage on. Mm-hmm. You're just looking at sheer stats from this season so far to this point they have. Wisconsin's played a very different level of competition in, in Penn State, at least what we think in Penn State compared to Florida State, Toledo, and Purdue. Um I just think that Wisconsin's offense is actually going to be able to move the ball. I, I do, when you look at it, the fact that Florida State and Toledo were, were able to, to put up points, Purdue was able to put up um, 13 with, with, with their backup quarterback. I think that Wisconsin's in a place where I think they can get to a, that 20-point mark, and I do think that whoever can get to 20 wins. I, I think that that's, mm-hmm. it's going to be a rock fight in a lot of ways. It's going to be ugly. Um, I do think that Notre Dame has a slight advantage in special teams, which which could come back to hurt Wisconsin. But um, I, I was really toying with picking Notre Dame all week. Having this conversation today has swung it very closely. Um, I know that a lot of the numbers, like you mentioned, say about a touchdown favorite for Wisconsin. I think it's going to be even closer than that. I got Wisconsin winning um, something like 2017 or – I could even see like just a, a weird number um, pop up where it's like 17-14 or 17-16, something super weird. But I think it's going to be a one to three point game. And I'll give a slight edge to the Badgers just because I think they have the best unit overall in that mm. defense out of anybody, whether it's either offenses or either defenses. So I'm going to give the slight edge to Wisconsin because of that. But but I'm not feeling like super optimistic over it. It's it's one of those where my head and heart are, are struggling against each other here. Yeah, I think that creates what will be a, a very fascinating matchup for the, the Badgers in Notre Dame this Saturday in Chicago. All right, well, that wraps up our um, our Wisconsin-Notre Dame preview, but we'll go through and run down our Big Ten score, our Big Ten predictions real quick. A, a couple um, good matchups, some other non-conference games that should be easy picks for us, but we'll start with one of the tougher ones. Uh, Nebraska and Michigan State. Who do you like there? I think I think that's going to be actually a sneaky good game, um, and and maybe the best game of the night, like that evening primetime window. Um, I think um, Nebraska will have a shot to win that game. I'll give a slight advantage to Michigan State, so I'll say Michigan State in a close game, um, just because they're at home. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to take Nebraska just because I like the. I like the, you know, I think Michigan State's riding high coming off of a couple big wins. Nebraska played tight with Oklahoma. I think they might be hungry to come out and win this game. Um, so I think it's a really interesting matchup. I agree with you that it'll be a, a fun game. But I'll go ahead and take um, the Huskers on the road and try and, um, you know, make a little bit of chaos in this Big Ten season. All right, up next, I think this one will be a nice and easy one. Bowling Green taking on Minnesota. Any upset there? No, Bowling Green is terrible. <laughs> exactly. We'll move it on down because I am in total agreement that team is one of the worst in the nation and no need to spend too much time on it. All right, next up, Kent State going to Maryland. Who do you like in that one? Uh, I think I think Maryland is going to win. I, I think this is going to be one of those where there's a lot of points on there. Maryland has an offense that can score a bunch. Kent State has an offense that can score a bunch. I, I just think that Maryland is playing well this year, and I think they'll get the W. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think Maryland will win this game, but I think there could be a lot of points in that one with the way Kent State can move the football. If they're able to score the way they want to, Maryland will, will go out and attract uh, meets could certainly ensue. All right, up next, another Big Ten matchup, Illinois taking on Purdue. Who do you like there? I think this is a toss-up. Like, I, I genuinely think that this could go either way. Um, I actually thought that Purdue looked pretty good against Notre Dame for, for most of it, but they're without their top wide receiver. David Bell is is a stud. We'll see if he's good to go. He's in concussion protocol. I, I'm going to go with Illinois. I just think that um, there, there's a lot of reasons to pick Purdue here, I think. Um, but I do think that Illinois is going to be able to possibly win that game. Actually, I'm going to go back to Purdue. Purdue is going to win it in a close one just because they're at home. Yeah, I think this game, I don't know. I think this will be a ugly, ugly game. And, and for that, maybe Nebraska, or Illinois, um, I, I don't know why. I mean, the spread is 11. I really like Illinois there. But I think I'll take Illinois to just, for this purpose, Let's I'll take them to win because I think they've played better than the record indicates. I know they've had some struggles, but played Maryland tough last week. And, and Purdue, I'm just not sure with where they're at, where they're going to be with all these injuries coming off a Notre Dame game that they certainly were hyped up for, maybe a little bit of a letdown spot. So I'll take the Illinois fighting Illini in that one. All right, I don't think this one we need to spend much time on. Akron traveling to Ohio State, spread of 49. Um, what do you like in that one? Yeah, this one is more interesting to talk about that spread, but um... – <laughs> But, yeah, Akron's, you know, straight cheeks. So I'm going to go with Ohio State. Yep, I will uh, wholeheartedly agree with you there. All right, Ohio traveling to Northwestern could be another ugly, ugly game. Ohio, of course, win this on the year. Who do you like in that one? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Northwestern there. It's it's hard to pick with Ohio right now the way they're playing, so I'll stick there. Colorado State, we've talked a lot a little bit on this podcast traveling to Iowa. I don't see any upset there. What about yourself? Nope. That's going to be all Iowa, I think. <laughs> all right. Um, we'll also touch on Penn State. That's the other easy one, I think, to pick, taking on FCS Villanova. I don't anticipate any upsets for you picking there, um, so just confirm with me that you like the Nittany Lions. I do, but Villanova <laughs> is pretty good. Yeah, they're like, a sneaky FCS team for sure. Yeah, they're pretty good. They're they're 3-0 so far, but, yeah, they don't have the talent to hang with Penn State. All right, we've got Indiana traveling to Western Kentucky. Who do you like in that one? Give me the Hilltoppers. I, I, I look at that, and Indiana has really struggled this year. Michael Penix looks like a shell of what he was last year. Um, they just aren't getting the bounces that they saw uh, a year ago. You look at what this team can do. They just recently lost in a narrow one to, to Army on the road, but Bailey Zappi can just mm-hmm. swing it. I mean, almost eight, almost 900 yards passing. 10 touchdowns in two games. This Western um, Kentucky team's going to be able to throw the ball on Indiana and, and do it throughout the day. Yep, I'm going to agree with you. Actually, I do really like the Hilltoppers here. I, I really liked this team all offseason. They were a fun one to watch with that storyline of Bailey Zappi coming over. So far, he's done nothing but just throw it all over the field. So I think they'll uh, come out and, and be hyped up to have a Big Ten team in their stadium. So I'm going to take the, the Hilltoppers to upset that one as well. To round out, a huge one between undefeated Rutgers and undefeated Michigan. Who do you like in this Big Ten East matchup? I think Michigan will win it, but if I was going to um, ATS, I'd probably go Rutgers, just because I do think that Rutgers is going to make this interesting for a bit um, and make Michigan try to throw the ball on them. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think I'll take Michigan to win in the big house, but I do think Rutgers will keep this close. Last year, this game was fascinating. I think this Rutgers team is better and, and, and improving, so I think they'll maybe keep it within the number, but I do think the Wolverines pull it out in the big house. All right, guys, that wraps up our portion of the podcast. So now we'll go ahead, we'll get over to a couple quick ad reads, and then we'll get into our interview with JJ um, Post, and we'll dive into a little bit deeper of what this Notre Dame team is in terms of the roster and their makeup. So listen through these couple ads, and then we'll be back with you shortly. All right, Badger fans, we are now joined by a very special guest, the one and only JJ Post. For those of you that don't know, he is a writer for us here at B5Q and for Notre Dame at One Foot Down. I would say he covers a whole host of topics, but the main is, is soccer. I know he wrote the world's most in-depth women's soccer preview ever written this past summer. What was it, like 10,000 words? 12,023 pages, single-spaced, and I don't think a single person read it. <laughs> I read it. I didn't know anything that you were talking about because I, I follow soccer very faintly, but Women's college soccer, I don't uh, keep too much of a tab on, but you had some good information in there. You can tell you were dedicated because it was quite – it was a three different three different pieces that you had put out. Uh, yeah, yeah, we had to break it into a couple different parts on Bucks this quarter because <laughs> Drew, Drew made the, the, the smart assertion that, realistically speaking, I don't think the estimation servers nor any reasonable reader could handle that amount of words in one single post. <laughs> well, it was very well done, and um, – so, yeah, JJ's part of both our B5Q staff and Notre Dame's one-foot-down staff, and he's also a former UW student turned Notre Dame student. So I think kind of has an interesting perspective in regards to this Notre Dame-Wisconsin contest coming up. So people are calling it the uh, the JJ Post slash Jack Cohn Bowl, so it should be interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, it's kind of – I don't want to call it a grudge match because I, I don't hit, hold any ill will towards Wisconsin. Like, I am rooting, actively rooting for Wisconsin in every game but this one. But, you know, it, it, I guess you can call it a bragging rights match. You know, there is some pride to be had here for both me and uh, the good friend of the podcast, Jack Cohn. There you go. Well, let's go ahead and, and dive into this matchup a little bit because, like I said, I think you've got a, a good perspective on both sides of the uh, field, both sidelines with Wisconsin and Notre Dame here. And, um, I believe you were at the Notre Dame-Purdue game last week, right? I was, yes. What have you made of them so far? Because I was able to catch a good amount of that game, of course, the standalone game with Florida State. Tight, exciting game, but now Florida State is, is 0-3. So I, I think it's hard for some people to get a read on just what this Notre Dame team is right now. So what are they um, in your eyes? Yeah, so my view, uh, and one that has kind of become unpopular, I've noticed, among the student section is this is an underperforming Notre Dame team, but it's not a bad one, and it's not one that merits drastic change. Because, you know, it's a team that is, you know, kind of this year so far played down pretty significantly to its competition. You know, against Florida State, they kind of took what looked to be a commanding lead at one point in the third quarter, then got dragged back into it. Against Toledo, they kind of played to a low level all game and eventually scraped it out on a win. Purdue, you know, looked like you're heading for a rock fight. But the team eventually, they, you know, they didn't pull away. They didn't like hit the next gear. But you know, eventually they they, they looked for the second half of the game like the better team. But I think what really strikes me about this team is you know how I think I, what I like about the Notre Dame Wisconsin matchup I should say is I think these are two teams that actually have very similar profiles. You know, you come into this game, I, I look at Notre Dame Wisconsin in kind of the same way. The offensive line is not what it looks like for both teams. Both teams have had lines that are traditionally dominant hallmark uh, features, and both teams this year 
don't really have overwhelmingly dominant offensive lines. Both teams have great running back committees with the Berger, Garendo, and uh, Malusi trio for Wisconsin and the, the Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree uh, duo for Notre Dame. But, you know, what's really going to make or break this game is how good the quarterbacks are, which brings us back to Jackson Graham Mertz because I think what, make, what, make, what will make or break this game is with both these guys, you know what you're getting. Graham Mertz has a lot of potential in him, but he hasn't really hit that next gear. He hasn't really shown that. Uh, ceiling high potential since the first game he played in. Um, with Jack Cohn, you know what you're getting in the sense that you know what his ceiling is, uh, you, you know what his floor is, but you also know his ceiling's never really going to be much higher than that. So if Jack Cohn can find that next level and be that dynamic, uh, you know, that, that game-breaking player, then I think Notre Dame's going to win this game, but he hasn't shown that to this point. If Graham Mertz can show he's more than just the guy that, you know, showed flashes and uh, he can show a consistent level of, you know, deep threat mobile potential, then Wisconsin will win this game, but he hasn't shown that yet. So I think both these teams, actually, when I look at them, are, are a bit similar in both, you know, what their strengths are, you know, the defense and running game, what their weaknesses are, or relative weaknesses are, and the offensive line, and, uh, you know, what the biggest question mark is, which is quarterback play. Yeah, I think you put it very well, and I'm, I'm glad you brought up the offensive line, because I think when you start looking at, you know, I was doing a, a stats deep dive today, and I think the, that was the one thing that, that really jumped out for Notre Dame, because like you mentioned, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, both very known for NFL-type talent on the line. Of course, Notre Dame, for those not familiar, lost a lot of guys from last year's roster, including um, some guys up front, and they have not looked the way that traditional Notre Dame offensive line looks. Um, I know a ton of sacks given up so far, ranking 122nd sacks allowed uh, against some fronts that you know aren't, aren't super you know dominating front defensive line. So I think that'll be an interesting matchup for the Badgers. But is it just – from what you've seen, is it just inexperience there? Is it is it something else? What is kind of going on with an offensive line room that generally, normally, like I said, puts out huge numbers and, and NFL talent, you know, on a yearly basis? Yeah, I mean, on some issues, it is an injury problem. You know, that's probably fair to say from the start. Left tackle, especially, you know, kind of a spot where the Notre Dame thought they had in uh, Blake Fisher, you know, heading into the season, you know, the hair to the throne, like a player that, or, you know, a player that, broke out a player that was ready to go uh, as a starter and as a, you know, a first round draft pick maybe one day. And then he got injured and he's out for the Notre Dame game. I mean, he'll be out for the Wisconsin game and he'll be out for some time. Then Michael Carmody, who came in to replace him, he got hurt. And he's, you know, I, I believe he was a game time decision for the Purdue game. But overall, like this is a Notre Dame team that has not only facing an inexperienced offensive line with, you know, some guys that haven't that are making their, you know, their first, even though they're not young per se, but they're they're making getting their first, their feet wet at the college top level. Um, but also, you know, for at left tackles, typically, you know, you've had injuries to two of your players in the depth chart, and I think that is, that's kind of weighed in as a factor. So I think against Wisconsin, you know, the if since you know Blake Fletcher is not going to be available, if Michael Carmody's available, I believe he should be available. Um, that's going to be, you know, a big test for him because. First, before he got hurt, he didn't really look up to the task. And, you know, certainly, you know, coming in behind him, the, the, you know, the third string. I, I don't think anyone realistically expected the third string, uh, Tosh Baker, to be fully up to that task. But he definitely wasn't. So if Carmody doesn't show up and they, he's, go, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm not going to discredit him. He's, he's, you know, he's out there putting his all out there. He's not, not trying. And he's, he's not been bad either. But he definitely, he definitely looks like a player that's making his first starts at the, you know, the, the top level. And, he, you know, if he's 
he's going to have a big, pretty big test. You know, Leo Chanel is going to be trying to get into that backfield. Keanu Benton through the middle is going to be trying to get into that backfield. And this Notre Dame line, you know, for a, a team that has given up, I believe, 14 sacks in the season in three games to three, you know, not elite pass rushes, you know, the, this Wisconsin game is a game where you're going to have to really quickly find your feet at this level, and you're going to have to, you know, do some pretty drastic, you know, improvements if you want to make sure that Jack Cohen isn't spending the entire game on his backside. Well, you transitioned us nicely. Why don't we go ahead and just hop into the the Jack Cohen conversation because we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about, of course, the former Badger and current Irish quarterback. Everyone who listens to this podcast, yourself and myself included, have of course an opinion on Jack Cohen and. Where was that with Wisconsin now, of course, with Notre Dame? I'm sure the Notre Dame fan base has a little bit of opinion based on what they've seen so far. So, of course, it comes out in that Florida State game, looks great. The next couple weeks after that looks maybe more like Jack Cohn at Wisconsin. But what have you seen from him so far? And, and what is the Notre Dame fan base's opinion of him thus far? Because I think it's interesting. Wisconsin fans remember, of course, the season with Jonathan Taylor. Similar kind of styles of play. Kyron Williams, a guy you can lean on. Jack Cohn, I hate to use the term game manager because I do think he was more than that. But what is what is kind of the consensus from some from the Notre Dame fan base in, in regards to his play and, and who he is as a player? I'd say the consensus is pretty split. Um, you know, I, I am openly bullish on Jack Cohn as a quarterback. Uh, you know, we've had many uh, discourse about this in the group chats and, you know, in the student section. I mean, I was tracking a joke with my friend the other day. We had, you know, we had the marketplace of ideas going on at halftime between, like, the five kids in the sophomore section just standing up and arguing about the quarterback position. I'm of the opinion that Jack Cohn I like how they're handling the QB situation, to be totally frank. I think Tyler Buckner is a player with a very high ceiling. I think he's a player who you can use and use very well in his first year. But I think right now what they're doing is using him as a pack. Player, I, I've compared it to Taysom Hill on a Saints. You know, a guy that you bring in situationally, a guy you bring in for certain circumstances where you you, get, you meet a five-yard gain, you want to keep the defense on pace, and you bring in Buckner who can you know give you that speed off the edge. I think that's where he's used best because I think it's pretty clear the coaching staff has a better knowledge of quarterbacks than me. And it's pretty clear they don't trust him to throw the ball deep. And from what I've seen, and we've only seen him throw I believe four passes. You know, we've seen three short passes that he completed, which he should, and then the one long pass was a complete duck. That doesn't show up on the stat sheet got bailed out by a penalty. So I think it's fair to say that, you know, the Notre Dame coaches who know more about quarterbacks than the fan base clearly don't trust him to throw the ball deep. And I think Jack Cohn, what I've always said is we shouldn't be judging Jack Cohn by the play of the line because Jack Cohn is a pocket passer who right now is not getting a pocket to pass out of. And I think the Florida State game where, you know, generally speaking, the line was better um, than the other two games, that was unsurprisingly Cohen's best game. He had time to make his reads, and every deep throw he's hit are deep throws in which, you know, he had a clean pocket to work out of. He's a, he can step forward, he can get his body and, you know, make the deep throw. And I think if against Wisconsin, if against Cincinnati, if against any, you know, top team, Notre Dame can do that again, I think you're going to see a lot more of the Jack Cohen we saw in game one but if the offensive line doesn't step up and teams keep on getting pressure and, you know, Jack Cohn doesn't have a pocket to work out of, then I start seeing the argument to switch to Buckner because then clearly, you know, I, I don't know what point you draw the line, but I think there, there is a reasonable point to be had. I agree that if the line isn't going to be giving Cohn a pocket to pass out of, you might as well just throw Buckner in there because he can create with his legs. That's no doubt. You know, Buckner, if the pocket collapses, you know, obviously no quarterback has ever been good in the pocket collapsing situation. That's, that's just inherently not a, you know, a, a beneficial position for a quarterback to be in. But Buckner can give you a chance 
to make first down, make plays. He can give you a chance to win games, even if the pocket is collapsing at all times, because he has that, you know, that inherent quality of improvisational with his legs. He has that inherent fearlessness of a freshman quarterback who is not afraid to, in these first three games, to try to jump over a guy, to try to die for the first down. So, you know, if it gets to the point where, you know, the offensive line every game is going to be collapsing, and I think Wisconsin is going to be a pretty big indicator of whether that's going to be a game-to-game occurrence. And that's the case. I can see the argument throwing Buckner in there because even if you know he's not going to hit those, you know, passes of the consistency that Cohn does, he does give you a bit more of a chance to win if there's no offensive line to just, you know, run out of the pocket, get downfield. And uh, on the Cohn front, though, I, I will say I, I'm still, you know, pretty bullish on Cohn. I think if they can give him a clean pocket, which I trust Notre Dame's offensive line to eventually do, I think we're going to see a lot more of the first game. He's not going to be that dynamic game breaker that I know Notre Dame fans have been dreaming of ever since the Jimmy Clawson days. But, you know, he is a quarterback, but I, I don't think he's worse than Ian Book as a quarterback. I, I've said that. I think Jack Cohn can be what Ian Book was this team. You know, uh, obviously they're not the same type of quarterback. You know, Jack Cohn is, you know, more of a game man. Uh, listen, I, I don't like the term game manager either, but that's what he's more of in the sense of, you know, mm-hmm. you can put him in the pocket. He won't move around. He'll throw the, you know, the short, medium passes with good, you know, consistency. He'll occasionally hit that deep ball, whereas Ian Book was more of a, you know, a scrambler. But, you know, at the end of the day, the end result was the same. You knew what you were getting with them. They weren't going to take your team to the elite level, but they weren't going to tank you down a level either. And I think he can be that for this Notre Dame team. The question just becomes, is Notre Dame's offensive line going to give him the chance to be that? And I think, like I've said before, and, you know, like everyone has said leading up to this game, if – you know, this Wisconsin game, it's going to be a pretty big indicator if they can do that because this Wisconsin game is not going to be just any old pass rush. It's going to be a, you know, a team that's going to be not just with defense coordinator Jim Leonard surely going to try to look to throw everything in the kitchen sink at the Notre Dame offensive line, but it's also, you know, a team that just has the raw talent to bring numbers after the passer that, you know, Florida State, Toledo, Peru, perhaps given. It's going to be, you know, a test not just of, you know, strategy and how you game plan for that, but it's a test straight up of the line. And, you know, if you've given up 14 sacks in three games, to, you know, subpar defense lines, what are you going to do now when you get three games of experience? Well, now what are you going to do when you come up against a defensive juggernaut like Wisconsin? Yeah, I think that's, that matchup is just going to be a fascinating one to watch all game long. And, and part of, I, I think, the fit for Jack Cohn is, of course, when you look at Wisconsin, he had a running back that you could rely on and a tight end that you could get the ball to when you, you needed a little bit of that safety blanket for, for Notre Dame. The big names are, of course, Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree, Michael Meyer at tight end. How big of challenges do those two and, and that running back room represent to this Wisconsin defense? Because I think this will be probably – you look at Jahan Dotson at receiver, a little bit different of a player, but I don't know if Wisconsin's quite faced a test like this back and, and like this player and uh, Michael Meyer at tight end. Yeah, definitely. Myers, you know, uh, he's he hasn't been as good as he was last year. And, and I don't mean to say that he's been bad. He's been good this year. But, you know, he hasn't been as dominant. I also think, you know, that is a product of the offensive line just, you know, being so porous that Cone rarely has time to get a clean pocket. But, you know, like you said, I, I agree. I think he's going to be a player that Michael Meyer, um, that was constantly a struggle to game plan for because it's very rare you come up against a tight end as, you know, as, as well-rounded, especially as a sophomore as Michael Meyer is. You know, they can use him in the pass game. He can block. You can, you know, he can catch the ball in the open field and then run with it. So there are multiple, like, tools to his, you know, in the, in the sense of a five-tool baseball player. You know, Michael Meyer is a three-tool 
powerful uh, tight end. He can catch the ball, he can block it, he can run with the ball if you get him the ball in space. So I think that, that that's going to be, you know, a certain game plan challenge for Jim Leonard in the Badger defense because, you know, it's very rare, not just in the Big Ten, but, you know, really anywhere in college football that you're going to play a tight end, you know, that's so well-rounded as Michael Meyer. And, you know, I, I think it is worth noting that, you know, um, Kevin Austin as well, uh, Avery Davis and Kevin Austin, the wide receivers that are in, you know, I, I think there, there still is untapped potential there, at least statistically, because, you know, we keep on coming back to the offensive line. When Cohen has had time to throw the ball, Austin and Davis have been able to get behind defenses. There have been a few big plays where, you know, Austin and Davis broke loose, got behind the defense, and Cohen hit them. And, you know, for better or for worse, Wisconsin's defense has been susceptible in, you know, at least against Penn State, to give up those big plays. You know, there was obviously the Dotson is the, you know, the, the most famous, you know, infamous such incident where, you know, he was just completely unguarded. And if Wisconsin, you know, gives a lapse like that on defense, Notre Dame is a team that's going to be able to punish it, just like Penn State. You know, I don't think Notre Dame's offense is necessarily in the, you know, the elite echelon of college football, but they are definitely good enough that if Wisconsin secondary turns off and, or shuts off and gives Kevin Austin a 20-yard buffer or gives Avery Davis a 10-yard buffer or whatever the space may be, Cohen's going to be able to make that throw, and Austin Davis is going to make them pay with the leg. So I think, you know, this is, it's, it's going to be an interesting comparison to Penn State, because I don't think Notre Dame is as talented as Penn State is on offense, but I do think the running back room is a little better, so it's going to be a bit more of a test up front for the Badgers, and I also think that they're going to be able to provide that, you know, that, that big play, uh, that home run ball that Penn State really used on a couple knockout punches. So I think that that's going to be something that, you know, against, you know, I think Eastern Michigan, Wisconsin kind of took that for granted because they, they didn't need to worry about, you know, even if they did turn off in the secondary. You know, Eastern Michigan doesn't necessarily have, a you know, a aerial attack that's going to be airing out 50 yards if there's a blown coverage. So I don't think they, they worried about that as much. I think, it, you know, it showed at some points. And I don't think Ian Book is that kind of guy. I, I mean, not Ian Book. I don't think Jack Cohn is that kind of guy who is, you know, going to be able to just, you know, look off that. If he sees a guy open 30, 40 yards down the field, he can and will make that throw. And I think that could be the type of play that breaks open this game. If Wisconsin plays this into, you know, a 10-6 grinder of a game and then blows the coverage like they did in Stotson against Penn State, you know, Notre Dame's going to punish them. So I think that, you know, it's, it's about the secondary for Wisconsin, not just shutting down Michael Meyer, making sure they, they don't hit that safety valve pass, but also making sure that, you know, what they do against Penn State, which is allow, you know, a couple just completely busted coverages, and you can't allow that to beat. You can't beat yourself with your Wisconsin because, you know, Wisconsin's a team that has made mistakes in the past against, you know, the Purdue's of the world, against the, you know, the Illinois of the world, and being able to win. Notre Dame's not one of those teams. And it's, you know, much like Penn State, it will be a game they lose if they allow themselves to beat themselves. Well, we've talked a lot about the, the Notre Dame offense, but let's switch gears a little bit here and talk about um, the Notre Dame defense, which has, has come along, of course, the first three weeks, um, you know, that struggle a little bit against Florida State, some big plays, but seems like they've gotten better each week under new defensive coordinator Marcus Freeman, who was formerly, of course, the, the D.C. over at Cincinnati. Switched the scheme a little bit, and, and I think that seemed like the reason that they started off maybe a little bit slow, but like I said, seems to have gotten better each week, so... Is that the consensus? And, and maybe throw out some names that Badger fans should look for on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, of course. Name number one's got to be Kyle Hamilton. I think Kyle Hamilton, you know, I, I haven't been overly intensive on the draft so far in the first three weeks, but as far as I can tell, he's, he's pretty much consensus right now considered a top ten pick. And he is, you know, always going to be the name you need to look out for. We're two interceptions Florida State against Purdue when they were driving and Notre Dame needed to stop. Kyle Hamilton picked off the ball. Kyle Hamilton 
you know, a guy that's going to be in the backfield making plays. He's going to be all over the place on coverage. He's abnormally fast for a safety. He can hit like hell. And, you know, he's a player that has great range, you know, a great hit, like I said. And, uh, you know, really just the all-star of this Notre Dame, you know, defense. He puts, you know, he puts the free in free safety. He's going to be anywhere they want him and anywhere they need him. Because um, he is that good. You know, he, he's got a freakish skill set. And, you know, I think there's a good reason why I think a lot of teams are going to be clamoring for him in that top 10 in the NFL draft. So other guys to look out for, on the defensive line, Isaiah Foskey and Jason Animalola are probably going to be the two main factors in the Notre Dame backfield. You know, obviously Marcus Freeman, the defense hasn't been stellar so far. It's been good. But, you know, it hasn't been elite, and I think it's slowly reaching that level because Freeman runs a hyper-aggressive system. He likes to get in the backfield. He likes to send all sorts of looks at the opposing team's quarterback. And I think as this team acclimates that, I think they're clearly getting a little bit better as the team kind of learns all these new packages, all these new blitz schemes that he likes to bring. Foskey definitely is the main guy to look out for. He is, you know, uh, he's a terror for offensive lines. He, he's going to bully his way into the backfield. He's going to bring down ball carriers. He's going to bring down quarterbacks. Adam Lowell is also a guy, I think, you know, somewhat under the radar, uh, you know, a senior defender defensive tackle, he, he hasn't been as, you know, completely dominant in the, you know, tackle for loss category as Foskey has been, but he's got sacks, he's got, um, you know, some good tackle for losses, and also, you know, he, he's got a good instinct on when, um, little, when it, whenever the screens come, it always feels like it's Admiral in the backfield to blowing it up. He's got that great, you know, feel for the game that, you know, he, he can tell, at least it seems, you know, better than a lot of players in the Notre Dame defense when, you know, a team's going to try some little, you know, dink and dunk or gadget screen. Because, you know, Purdue, you know, tried a lot of little, you know, dink off passes to try to keep the Notre Dame defense off pace. And it felt like whenever there was a big stop in the backfield, it was Adam Alola who was in there making the tackle. So I, if I had to give you three names, I'd say, um, you know, obviously Kyle Hamilton's named number one. He's going to be named number one. He's arguably named number one in this entire Notre Dame roster. And then the two more guys on the line you want to look for is Isaiah Foskey and Jason Lanabalola because those are the guys that are be, you know, if Hamilton's out there patrolling the secondary, those are the guys are going to be in the backfield making sure uh, Graham Mertz doesn't even get the chance to throw it. There you go. There's some good names to pay attention to. All right, to round things out, JJ, what's maybe the, the one matchup you think this game comes down to and what do you have for your score prediction? All right, one match, I'm not going to be you know, overly creative on this one. I've, I've said all game, this game is going to be a test of how well Wisconsin, I mean, how well Notre Dame can keep Jack Cohen protected and how well Wisconsin can make sure Jack Cohen gets unsettled. So my, my matchup is you know, basically the entire uh, Notre Dame offensive line versus Leo Chanel and Keanu Benton. You know, if they can keep those two bottled up, if they can keep the Wisconsin blitz bottled up and give Jack Cohen the chance to make throws, make his reads, and give, of course, Tyree Williams, Chris Tyree, the holes, make those big runs, then I think Notre Dame wins this game. I think Notre Dame, if they can establish a presence up front and you give Jack Cohen the time to take apart the Wisconsin secondary that he obviously knows so well, and you give Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree the lanes to be that kind of, that, that uh, you, know, the, you know, there's lightning and thunder backfields. I'd say Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams is kind of just lightning and more lightning. If you can give them the space to just burst in the open field, you know, there's not many defenses in college football that are going to stop them as a tandem because they just have so much speed and, you know, an underrated, you know, amount of power, too. You know, Kyron Williams last week got a 51-yard uh, touchdown in which he got hit three, four times, and he just kept on moving. And uh, I think, like I said, the line is going to be the big matchup here. Whoever wins in the trenches, I think, wins this game. And, you know, obviously, for my score prediction, i got to stick with Notre Dame. I'm going to go an ugly 14 
to 21 Notre Dame win in which neither team really establishes, you know, a dominant lead at any point in the game. Both teams kind of, you know, get into a slugfest in which the offense can't really create anything. Bram Mertz struggles, Jack Cohn struggles, but eventually Notre Dame's experience that, uh, with the Cohn Mertz situation and the narrative that would come of that. I, 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 I fear narratives more than talent, to be honest, as a fan. I, I always worry more about a good narrative than I do an elite player. Um, it's a superstition. So I think the, the experience narrative wins out. Jack Cohn gets the ball with three minutes left in the fourth quarter and suddenly puts it together and leads Notre Dame downfield and a one-yard Kyron Williams touchdown wins the game 21-14 for Notre Dame. <laughs> I think that's a fair prediction, but I hope you're wrong because that would be a, a dagger in a lot of our listeners' hearts to see Jack Cohn lead a game-winning drive and uh, knock off the Badgers. But regardless, Listen, I think... <laughs> I was surprised anyone else was when he did against Toledo, but now that I've seen him do it, I, I, I've I've hopped on the call. You know, listen, I was joking um, against Toledo when I, I was in the I was in the student section, me and a couple other kids. We were just going, this is where we want him, cone time, baby, cone time. And uh, <laughs> you know, we, we were doing this sarcastically, knowing, thinking, oh, we're going to lose to Toledo, aren't we? And then Jack Cone hits a 40-yard pass, and me, like, like, wait, is this something we didn't know he had? Is he Does he have that clutch gene? I don't know if that's just the Toledo defense that does have that clutch gene. Maybe we'll find out against Notre Dame. <laughs> we will find out. Well, JJ, we appreciate you taking the time to, to hop on and, and discuss some fighting Irish with you. Um, always good to, to chat with you and um, enjoy reading. Make sure you guys check him out at both sites over at B5Q and One Foot Down. Uh, puts out a lot of good content for both places, so always good to have him on. Um, Badger fans, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. We'll be back with you next week to recap this, of course, huge Notre Dame contest. As always, on Wisconsin.